SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, here we go. Sportsbook Radio in Las Vegas. Brian Blessing, glad to be with you here on a Wednesday, the day before the Sports Grid Radio Network pops on Sirius 204, which I think will be great fun. And we'll have a wonderful time on the Sports Grid Network uh, from Las Vegas, You know, talking to sports bettors around the country. It's become so mainstream. We think we're just going to have a ball with this. Uh, really, really excited. Genuinely excited. Uh, congrats to everybody at Sports Grid. And let's have at it. That's going to be great. We got good stuff today. Andy Isco from Gaming Today, The Logical Approach, is going to join us in hour number one. In hour number two, we're loaded. Uh, we're going to have Vinny Maliulo, our good friend. He runs uh, LVDC, uh, the Paramutual Wagering for the State of Nevada, legendary um, odds maker, sportsbook director in Las Vegas. Jeff Sherman from the Superbook will join us as we get ready for uh, the start of the 2021 PGA well, calendar year. They had the carryover events, but they're back. It's the unique tournament of champions where they added the top 30 uh, that competed at East Lake, and we'll get into that. But golf is back, and on the East Coast, folks, you're going to love this primetime golf from Hawaii, Kapalua. And Mark Lawrence from Playbook.com will join us as well. All right, just got to tell you, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood, as it were, channeling my inner Mr. Rogers. Um, love putting the flag on. I got to tell you, it's great fun, red, white, and blue. The World Juniors, we talked about it ad nauseum yesterday. In fact, uh, and then we you know, do locally do our show, Vegas Hockey Hell, and I was on an island, man. I was the only one. I pat myself on the back. Now, I, I liked the U.S. in that game. Everybody thought I was crazy. Canada's an all-star team. But, boy, I watched USA through this tournament the way they grew, and it was really the definition of a team. And they had a third line that was just spectacular that actually dominated and carried play. Um, U.S.-Canada gold medal game. And it's funny, uh, U.S. wins it 2-0 uh, up in Edmonton on Canadian soil. But that tournament, it, good on all those kids. I mean, they were in the bubble. They had to do it for seven weeks. They were up there. But the hockey got better and better and better with each passing game. In fact, the United States came out of the gate. Looked horrible against Russia. Uh, Spencer Knight, the goalie, looked atrocious uh, right out of the gate in this tournament. Well, you needed a pistol to beat him last night. He was spectacular. Um, U.S. gets the 2-0 lead. Another guy that started really slow in this tournament, and, and like we're being overly critical of these kids because they had not played a hockey game since February, pre-pandemic. Well, all these kids started to find their, their legs, and all of a sudden you saw individuals and teams start to grow as the tournament went on. Well, this young man, Turcotte, uh, Kings prospect, it really started the tournament slow. Well, he gets a redirect, first goal of the game, the U.S. gets on top, and then Trevor Zegers was just amazing the entire tournament for the United States. Live boards in Edmonton last night, puck came off the wall. He gets it and backhands one home. And then the U.S. got a 2 nothing lead. And sometimes it can be really a slippery slope, especially in football when you go to a prevent defense. Uh, but the United States, when they got the two-goal lead, you knew Canada was going to make a pushback, but they went to a pretty defensive posture, and they played it to a tee. 
and the goalie made big saves. But the U.S. gets the win. And I think the one thing we'll take from the World Juniors is watch and how we apply this from a sports wagering perspective. When the NHL season starts, uh, literally a week from today, that a lot of these teams are going to be sloppy and grindy and ugly and the passing won't be good because you can only do so much in a training camp and with scrimmages against your own guys because even in those scrimmages, you know, you think you're going 100%, but you don't want to hurt a teammate before the season even starts, so it's a real slippery slope. So I think some of these teams will be sloppy coming out of the gate, and I think there's betting opportunities. You find a team or two that's sloppy, and you fade them for a week, and then all of a sudden there'll be a big plus price, and then all of a sudden you'll start to see it. Okay, they're getting it. They're, they're starting to shake off the rust. And then in the, the following two weeks – you're going to get plus prices galore on these teams that were just literally shaking off rink rust. I cannot wait for this NHL season. I, I've always maintained since I got to Las Vegas in 2005 that the NHL by a country mile is the best sport to bet for the players. The odds makers can only do so much. There are historical trends and things that just repeat themselves year after year after year in the NHL. And then throw it into this equation this year where you're playing the same team all year long. You're going to be playing the opposition on back-to-back nights at least. In some instances, three and four games in a row. So the coaches will be making adjustments, and you're really going to start to wager on coaches a little bit. And a team that loses the first game of a quote-unquote series is going to fire their very best shot the next game at a real nice plus price because they, the standings, it's a sprint. It's a 56-game season. You can't afford a big losing streak. I think it's plus prices galore coming up in hockey. And it is absolutely going to be a treat. But hats off to the American kids. They were the definition of a team. And Canada was spectacular. I mean, they've got, you know, that was an all-star team. But the real true team won the game last night. And it was really cool to see. And, oh, boy, I tell you. Uh, them playing the American anthem on Canadian soil. Canada will have a, shoe, a stone in their shoe for the next tournament, believe you me. All right, we're off to the races. Hump day. Day before the Sports Grid Network is on Sirius 204. It's going to be great. When we come back, our good buddy Andy Isco is going to check in. Looking forward to Super Wild Card Weekend next on Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, back with you here on Wednesday's Sportsbook Radio from Las Vegas. Again, really, Jack, tomorrow's the big day on Sirius 204, and we think you're going to have a a great time enjoying Sportsbook Radio because we've got incredible guests on both sides of the counter. We've got a wonderful relationship with so many outstanding sportsbook directors in Las Vegas. And then on the other side of the counter, Mark Lawrence is coming up a little later today from Playbook.com. Bruce Marshall from The Gold Sheet. The list goes on and on. And, of course, the one, the only, our buddy Andy Isco from The Logical Approach and from Gaming Today. Hi, Andy. How you doing on a Wednesday, buddy? 
Brian, I'm doing fine after two weeks of drinking very little other than eggnog and martinis. It's nice to be back to some sort of sense of normalcy as we begin a new year. Wow, it, it had a good effect, Andy. You sound better. Oh, well, always good to uh, get the audio quality working fine. <laughs> no, I mean the martinis are kicking in. <laughs> we, we don't there want to tell go. the folks how early it is right now. Well, it is radio. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. But, Andy, you know, we're really excited about, uh, you know, going to be on uh, Sirius 204 because we've worked together forever. We've done so many things here, and we've done some generic introductory kind of shows uh, since we joined up with Sports Grid Radio, but how this has become a big mainstream thing. But the, the beauty of it is, and uh, not to be condescending about it, because it's a mainstream thing, and from afar, so many people getting involved now, people with great opinions. But there is something about that Vegas mystique, and you know, having we're on the ground floor of this thing. It, it's just the brand Vegas, right? You're always selling the brand Vegas. But you know, we're to, the luxury we have on this show. And you're an active part of it, and you see it up close. We'll be Friday together. You'll be out joining us at Sunset Station uh, with Chuck Esposito. Uh, you know, we've got a great relationship with the sports book directors. And what I love about what this show has become, and it was a hard sell in the beginning. Well, why would I come on your show when you're always talking about the other guy? And I mean, because you want me to talk about the other guy. If a line's two and a half and you're minus three, Half the listeners will come to your place to take the three. The other half will go to the other place to lay the two and a half. It's like the book's using a, a professional better and his money to attract money on the other side. It's the same kind of concept with this radio show where we're kind of Switzerland. And the guys love it when they get to talk and it's a fraternity. So I think, you know, you get it, I get it, they get it, and we think the listeners will get it. Exactly. What we're really doing with a show like this is we're promoting the industry here in Las Vegas. Everyone's going to have their preferences of where they go. But you mentioned really the most significant aspect is the ability, and we stress it so often, to shop for the best number available at the time that you're getting ready to make your play. And you're right. If uh, one place is minus two and a half and the other place is plus three, well, the favorite betters will go to place A and the underdog betters, if they're looking to bet at that time we'll go to place b and in the end it all balances out everybody benefits and people get to meet a whole bunch of different people with uh, uh, the ability to exchange ideas it's it's almost like a con going to a sports book is almost like an industry conference every day or every week where you exchange information with everybody else who's trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do which is beat the sports book but everybody has different approaches as to how to best do it yes and and, and we don't want to be redundant, but when we get the new audience on Sirius, we'll probably revisit a topic like this. But even now, to just drive the point home, it's ironic that, you know, it was Vegas, but now everybody's involved in it. And everybody, forget the hypocrisy. It's out there. People love it. It's, you know, be responsible when you do it. But even here in Vegas, Andy, you go back – and this in this year, more than any year, with the pandemic and the fact that people, you know, couldn't or wouldn't or did, shouldn't, if you want to say, be out and about interacting with others. Now with the mobile apps, you've got the sports book in the palm of your hand. And the irony is they're setting records even during a pandemic because people are betting and people that maybe didn't do it in the past, creatures of habit, like to have a ticket in their hand. Now they've got the app, they've got the convenience, even a safety aspect to it. But beyond that, 
if you're living in a place like Vegas, you're crazy not to have three or four apps so that you had that ability to shop for numbers, which was an era that was gone to the point where if you go back as short as maybe what, Andy, 10 years ago, if you walked into a sports book with the cell phone in your hand, a security guard was coming up to go saying, you can't be in here with the phone. And now the phone is the oxygen tank for the industry. No, you're absolutely right. It was a, a slow uh, acclimation process for sports books who were always in fear that you'd be transmitting information and that in, in effect would be creating a violation of, uh, of interstate uh, information laws and things like that within the sports book premises. So I could understand their reluctance initially at first and eventually things got eased down and you know, cell phones now, smartphones are a way of life. It's been a big boost to the industry. Technology has been a big boost to the industry. And so, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, if maybe it's 10, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30 years down the road. There may be no more brick and mortar uh, sports books. Everything will be done digitally, which I'm, you know, I don't think I'll be around in 30 years for that. But uh, I would, if I were, I'd certainly miss the flavor of what we have uh, right now. But there are so many options out there, and you're absolutely right. By having uh, as many sports books as uh, you can, and, re- and you know, for a number of these sports books, I don't know if it's if it's all of them. For a number of the sports books, you don't actually need to have an account set up to have the app and be able to view the lines. Now, some in some instances, you do have to be within the right. uh, state confines of Nevada to be able to access the lines, but you don't necessarily, you could have, let's say, apps from 10 different sports books. You may only have an account at two or three of them uh, that you can actually make wagers on. But if you start finding out that, you know, hey, this fourth or fifth app that I have and I don't have an account is constantly giving me better better numbers, you'll go down there and you'll put up uh, the money to set up an account. So it's it's a win-win situation for the books and the players, the, uh, uh, the advent of the mobile apps. Well, and the thing... The introductory thing for people when we say, hey, come to Vegas, we're telling them, I think we're anxious to get back to normal and get people to start coming. I can say, hey, I see a plane in the sky. That's exciting. I mean, we used to see a plane every 30 seconds in Vegas. But when people are going to come here, there's almost that educational aspect to it. That, hey, when you get here, even though you're only visiting for four days, get an app. And you can be conveniently not standing in line or you could be driving from one place to another and you could still get a bed in. And the crazy thing is, all that matters is you have to be physically in the state of Nevada when you make the wagers on an app here. And the technology, Andy, is nuts. And I know this firsthand. Uh, On occasion, our regular golf crew will go down and golf at Prim. It's literally about a 30, 30, max, 30, 35-minute ride and it's right at the California border. And the one day we were coming back, and it, it was funny, we're all in the car, and everybody wanted to bet a game uh, that was starting at 7 Eastern, 4 o'clock, and it's like 3.57. And we're driving, and we're all trying to get the bet in, and we're like a mile from the border, and it, it, it wouldn't let you do it. It wouldn't let you do it. Andy, as God is my witness, we literally drove by the sign that said, welcome to Nevada, and hit the button again, and it took the bet. I mean, it's it's remarkable, the technology. Yeah, sometimes that kind of precision can be frustrating if you're right there near the border. But no, exactly. Plus, you also pointed out something important. Let's say there are five of you in the car. All five of you can make a bet at the same time. Nobody gets shut out. That's not true necessarily <laughs> if the five of you are standing in line at a sports book. 
That's exactly right. No, that that's hilarious. I mean, it, I, I remember that like it was ten minutes ago, and we, and we were all laughing on this. It's almost scary that they know they know what you know ten feet a bit of difference. They know exactly where you are at all times. All right, we're off to the races. We got Super Wild Card Weekend coming up. Six NFL games. Uh, let's get Andy's take on that when we come back. It is Sportsbook Radio. Hour number one here on a Wednesday again. Hour number two, Vinny Maliulo, Jeff Sherman, Mark Lawrence. A lot of good stuff still to come. Tomorrow's the big day. Serious 204. Uh, we do the old, uh, you know, the old SpaceX launch, as it were. So we're looking forward to that. Our producer, Chris Bavone, is in New York. It's a Wednesday, and we're coming back. Always great information with our guest, Andy Isco, from The Logical Approach and Gaming Today. We invite you to keep it right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, back with you here, Sportsbook Radio. On the Sports Grid Radio Network in Las Vegas, Brian Blessing joined by Andy Isco from The Logical Approach and Gaming Today. And Andy, before we dive into the games, I would assume you've got some articles up at Gaming Today wrapped around Super Wild Card Weekend? Absolutely. At this time of the year, I'm now writing uh, two columns a week, one on the NBA. That season got underway a little bit over two weeks ago. And, of course, the wind down of the football season, as I've been doing since uh, really since back in uh, the late part of the summer when we were wondering if we'd even have an NFL season and what the, what it might be like. But this week, of course, I'm, uh, I've written about the, uh, the, the six wild card games, a little bit of uh, wild card history, uh, some big lines this week uh, as far as the six games go. I think uh, uh, four of the six have lines of uh, greater than, I think it's four and a half points or so uh, with the, uh, the movement the other day of uh, the Cleveland uh, uh, Pittsburgh game, uh, so there's information there that uh, that people will be able to get some uh, some selections and some information as far as the, uh, the the wild card weekend goes, and I'll be doing that through uh, the remainder of the playoffs until we have a Super Bowl champion. And by the way, I'm just thinking uh, uh, thought came to me. What a frustrating season it's been for a number of people. What a frustrating period it's been over the last few years for two teams uh, in particular who have been outstanding teams in the regular season and have had uh, some disappointing results in the playoffs. Wouldn't it be ironic if in this year uh, that's been so weird, if Baltimore and New Orleans, both of whom had early exits the past few seasons in the playoffs, ended up meeting in this season's Super Bowl? Okay, well, let's dive in. And in this segment, let's focus on the three Saturday games. And the first game, uh, we had seen sevens for a while. Uh, the number now is Buffalo, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Total on the game, either 51 or 51-and-a-half. Uh, I, I think I got a plan of attack for the game, Andy, but why don't you have at it and give me your your take on the game. Well, the way I've looked at this game is, first of all, how impressive Buffalo has been, uh, not just uh, uh, recently, but throughout the season, but especially uh, recently when you take a look at their last three wins uh, by 29, 29, and uh, 30 points. The Bills have won six straight games entering the playoffs. 
Um, and they've covered eight in a row, so that dates back to uh, midseason. So the the first thing that thought comes to mind is, the, as well as Buffalo's played with a number of those games in prime time, there's probably a little bit of a tax in uh, in in this point spread that maybe this line normally would have been maybe around three and a half or four. It's uh, now six and a half and seven in a lot of places. So initially, that would have you looking at Indianapolis as perhaps being some value. The question is, how good is Indianapolis? Well, they've actually won six of eight down the stretch. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back, has had a big second half of the season. They've got a veteran quarterback in uh, Phillip Rivers, who has had a lot of playoff experience uh, with the Chargers over the past decade and a half and um, uh, w- before coming over to the Colts this year. In fact, just two years ago, I mentioned Baltimore uh, previously. Uh, he led uh, the Chargers to a road upset at Baltimore uh, two seasons ago. So uh, they certainly have the capability. Of course, Buffalo looking for its pl- first playoff win, as you well know, since 1995. Uh, they lost a couple of close games in the wild card round, both last season and back in 2017, as they'd returned to the playoffs as a, uh, a long hiatus. Um, the way I'm looking at this game, fundamentally, Bills have the uh, – uh, the edge uh, in the passing game with what Josh Allen has done, especially with his feet, in addition to his arm. Uh, Buffalo's been a little—excuse uh, me, Indianapolis has been a little bit better at uh, at running the football. So the key to me may be whether or not Indianapolis is able to establish a running game, and if they're able to do that with Taylor, then that keeps Allen and the Bills' offense on the sidelines. On the other hand, if Buffalo is able to successfully defense uh, the running game of Indianapolis, Rivers will have some success but it'll also mean more opportunities for that buffalo offense which is functioning as at high a level as uh, we've seen any team function at this stage of the season in recent years to the point you made about the running game agree wholeheartedly the funny thing is will the colts have the luxury of using the running game buffalo's mo is to jump on teams they've covered go all the way back I've been talking about this on this show. It's been a license to print money. Play the Bills in the first half. They jump on teams. Uh, You go all the way back uh, into, my goodness, Andy, uh, all the way back to late October, and they've covered the first half in every game. You mentioned the ATS streak they're on. Early in the year, they were getting big leads and taking their foot off the pedal. The irony is, to a man... The Bills players, and this was a discussion that that you and I had last week. To a man, the Bills said the Hail Mary thing that happened in Arizona, instead of that being a punch to the gut, they learned a lesson, and they all talked about a bunch of things. Uh, One, don't take your foot off the pedal. We saw that against the Dolphins and the Patriots in the last two weeks. Even with a lead, they were throwing the ball and stretching the field. They're not letting teams hang around. They learned a lesson from the Arizona game, and, uh, you know, they they just come out of the gate. If Buffalo does that and gets the lead, it would diminish Taylor to the point where that's when Rivers can do some good things, but he can also make mistakes. If the Bills are able to make Indy one-dimensional, that could be really problematic for the Colts. 
Uh, two points there. Number one, Sean McDermott, the uh, Buffalo coach, has to be given an awful, an awful lot of credit and instantly goes up to uh, near the top of the list of coaches if just for the fact that he does keep uh, the pressure on, that he doesn't play conservative, play not to lose to protect the lead, that he'll continue to hammer if given the opportunity. The other thought that you mentioned about Buffalo getting in, in front, and uh, I don't know if they'll have this proposition for the playoff games that they have for the Super Bowl uh, where you can bet on uh, the coin toss. And in Vegas, what it's phrased on, I believe, is the team to receive the opening kickoff. And where I'm mm-hmm. headed here is the fact that what you said about Buffalo getting out to, a, to an early start, if the uh, Colts win the coin toss, wouldn't be surprised if rather than defer, they decide to start the game with the football. That would be interesting because the Bills have been deferring. The Bills have been trying to get the ball. That Following the model that the Patriots, they want the ball at the end of the half and the beginning of the third quarter, and that's for the most part what's happened. Interesting game. The total, Andy, 51, 51 and a half. The weather, it's going to be cold. It's going to be 30 degrees, but you know the wind can swirl in Orchard Park. But, boy, oh, boy, the way the Bills' offense is going, and I would say this, you know, the backdoor cover could be in play. Indy can win the game. Let's, I mean, let's start there. But I, I think points would be the order of the day in that game. Let's go to the Rams in Seattle where but, points, by the I way, don't know where. But I was going to say ahead. something just before you continue. Just two interesting facts about wild card rounds the last three years. Mm. Underdogs 11-1 and one against the spread. Unders 10, overs 2. Will that continue? It's hard to say. We do have two extra games this year, but that's a remarkable streak for a three-year period uh, that uh, uh, shows uh, how these wildcard games have been uh, played out. And with that record of the underdogs, we've seen a lot more competitive games. So uh, I, uh, my suggestion is, or the way that I'll be approaching it is, I will generally be looking to take the points first. If I can't make a good enough case, then I'll head over to the favorite. All right, my friend. I would just say buyer beware on one thing. All those numbers, those were numbers that made sense when fans were in the stands. And 6,000 fans aren't going to make a difference. This this is a unique year, and I would just say that. Hey, we got about a minute, Andy, at least to get started, and then we'll come back because there's so much information we want to get to you. But the Rams in Seattle, uh, we're looking at 3.5-4 Seattle favorite, Goff, Wolford, we'll see. 42 and a half the total, Andy. Listen, they played two games and they were dead unders. Might, might it happen again? That was the first way that I looked. I mean, you to even take a look at the total yardage in these uh, two games, and they were both reflective of, of low-scoring games. Uh, as far as the game itself goes, uh, Goff is questionable at this point. Even if he plays, he's less than 100%. Wolford, you know, we don't know much about him other than that there's now film on him for uh, Seattle. The key to me in this game, Seattle's defense. Compare what Seattle's defense allowed in the first half of the season to what they allowed over the second half of the season. It's as dramatic a turnaround as we can see. We saw Jamal Adams. We saw some other additions in midseason, and oh, it really Dunlap. took hold. Yeah. Dunlap as oh, well. D- and He was great. 
Oh, oh, yeah. And what I'm saying is you take a look at Seattle's defensive numbers and you hear about where they rank like 30th or 31st for defense or whatever the numbers are for the season. That's basically the first half of the season. This is a much better defensive team, much more conducive yep. to supporting the under. And as far as quarterbacks go, you have to like Russell Wilson. I'm surprised that this line has actually okay. come down. All right. We got more on this game and the rest of the wildcard weekend coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Okay, back with you here. Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Andy Isco. We're in Las Vegas, and we're talking about NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We got a little bit, a little nugget of information in on the Rams Seattle before the break. Let's continue on, Andy, uh, in this game where I just don't know where the points come from. That Rams defense with Donald and Ramsey, who will be covering Metcalf, um, points are going to be hard to come by. But but interesting, it's the rubber match. They they're division foes and they know each other well. Yeah, uh, the first game was 24-16 in Los Angeles with the Rams winning. The rematch just, uh, I think it was week 16, 20-9 with Seattle uh, winning at home. Again, we don't know the status of Goff, but you're absolutely right. The Rams' defense has been consistent all year, so their season-long numbers are true indicators of their defense. As I mentioned before the break, Mm -hmm. Seattle's numbers are not for the season because of their tremendous numbers that they put up in the second half with, uh, with Adams returning and the acquisition of Dunlap and some other adjustments that were made. So uh, I mentioned that the uh, unders are 10-2 and two in this round over the past three seasons. Uh, this is one game, even at, this t- even at this relatively low number, which I believe opened 44 and has been bet down to 42.5 as we, as we speak. Uh, 41 is a key number, so as long as you can get above 41 to go under, I think that that's the, the, the way that I'm looking uh, initially. I, was, mm-hmm. I happened to get in there at, I think, 43.5. I missed the opener, oh, but I'm comfortable with that. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for this to be a defensively oriented game. Again, Russell Wilson at quarterback, I think, is the uh, big advantage. If the Rams are able to run the football and maybe wear down the Seattle defense and force them to do some things that they don't like to do, maybe that does give the Rams an edge. But this is a game with this line now sitting right around three. Uh, you almost have to say who's going to win the game and they're going to cover the line. And right now, the way I'm looking at it, uh, uh, Seattle has been playing the, the better foot ball especially given the improvement of the defense all right let's go to the get out game on saturday and this could be another game i think it's a correlated parley for sure if you do believe in the dog you better believe in the under that's tampa bay laying eight and a half at washington totals 45 bucks have been lighting up bad teams but they've been lighting up bad defenses that's not what tom brady's facing here andy no, exactly not. And this is an interesting game. In fact, uh, in, in doing my write-ups for the game, I took a look at what Washington uh, has done uh, this year. Uh, they started the year 1-5, and, and they went 6-4 and four after that 1-5 and five start. Their last five losses of the nine were by 7, 5, 3, 3, and 1. 
uh, after each of their first uh, four losses were by 14 points or more. So Ron Rivera, remember, first-year coach with a new franchise. Uh, it takes some time to understand the personnel that you have. Rivera's always been a defensive-minded coach when he was uh, with Carolina, so it took some time for uh, things to get put together for him, and Washington's played solid defense over the last half of the season. Add in Alex Smith, the quarterback, a uh, veteran, uh, overcame that gruesome leg injury from a few years ago, has playoff experience. Known as a game manager, but capable of extending drives, which would work to keep that Tampa Bay offense off the field and at the same time uh, wear down the uh, uh, the Tampa Bay uh, uh, defense. Now, if you look at underdogs uh, since uh, uh, seeding began in 1990, there have been 20 home underdogs in this round. 9-11 and 11 straight up. Very impressive. 11-8-1 ATS. Now, you did mention the fact that there won't be any uh, home fans here, but interesting, even as dogs of four points or more, they're 4-0. ATS, and if you remember, uh, Washington's one of three teams with a losing record to win a division. The first two teams, Seattle in 2010 and Carolina, I think it was in 2014 or 2015, and one of those years before they won uh, the Super Bowl a year or so later, uh, both won their games at home. Carolina was actually favored in their home win over Arizona. Seattle was a 10.5-point underdog against an 11-5 New Orleans team, and they ended up winning that game. I don't expect Washington to win this game, but you pointed out their outstanding defense that has gotten better throughout the year, their ability to be competitive with those close losses over the latter half of the season. Those points look very, very very attractive uh, in a game that I don't expect Washington to win. But again, when you're talking about large point spreads, you don't need your team to win. You just need them need them to be competitive. You talked about the teams that Tampa Bay has put up those points against. Yeah, they, they may not allow a lot of points to Washington, but they also may not score as many as they're accustomed to scoring as well. All right, Andy, let's get it to Sunday. I think this is the game of the weekend. Baltimore attends Tennessee. Not surprisingly, threes have now surfaced. There's still a few three-and-a-halves out there. Baltimore favored on the road. Totals up there, 54-and-a-half or 55. I think whoever has it last wins here. Should be a great game. Well, we know that uh, Baltimore's had a couple of uh, playoff failures with Lamar Jackson at quarterback uh, against the Chargers two years ago and against these Tennessee Titans last year when Baltimore was the number one seed, 14-2, and two, sat out the wild card round with the bye and ended up uh, losing at home uh, to the uh, Titans as uh, Derrick Henry uh, uh, continued to do what he does best. These teams actually met earlier this season, and it was a game that went to overtime again in Baltimore, and uh, Tennessee uh, came back to uh, to win that game uh, 32. To, uh, uh, 30 to 24, 3024 uh, being the final score. This is a personal game for uh, Jackson, who wants to prove that uh, he can be as good in the playoff as he's been in the regular season. But Tennessee, boy, they really seem to uh, to have their number. Uh, Baltimore does enter uh, the playoffs on a, on a on a nice run, winning five in a row, six and zero ATS. In fact, after uh, losing to Tennessee the following week, they had all those COVID issues. Uh, they lost uh, at Pittsburgh, 1914, as I think 10 point underdogs in that game and they haven't uh, haven't lost since uh, Baltimore's big edge in this game is on defense but they had that same edge last year against Tennessee and earlier in the season and couldn't win. So uh, maybe this is a case of uh, Tennessee just having uh, Baltimore's number. Uh, on the other hand, it did surprise me that Baltimore was that big of a favorite yeah. given the series history and the matchup. So and, it'll be an interesting who they game. Played. Yes, and who they played coming in, everybody's going nuts about, oh, Baltimore, Baltimore. They didn't play anybody on the way in. I'm not knocking Jacksonville, them. Jacksonville, I mean, the Giants, uh, Cincinnati. And it was a miracle um, they beat the Browns. 
that the Jackson came out of the locker room. If they'd have lost that game, they didn't even make the playoffs, bud. And, and the, the one other thing I would say, if there was an X factor and you say, if there could be one determining factor in this game, and I know Tennessee has a real hard time stopping anybody, but if Tennessee is able to have the lead in the final five or six minutes of this game, they've got Derrick Henry to close the game out. Yeah, Baltimore doesn't see the ball again in in that situation. You know, by the way, you did point out, you pointed out the key play that I think turned around Baltimore's season because they were struggling at that point. That game against uh, Cleveland, when Jackson came in after that injury and he completed that first pass, that seemed to energize his team. Now, yeah, they, they you can only beat the teams in front of you, but they beat a lot of these teams very impressively. But Tennessee enters this game, A, at home, and B, with a great deal of confidence, knowing that the, the, the uh, matchups uh, are, have, have worked out in their favor. The interesting thing, and of course it was a meaningless game on Sunday, but Baltimore spreading the football around and running for 404 yards against Cincinnati. Now, the 404 is nice, but that also has to give that offensive line a great deal of confidence. But they had that same confidence against the same Tennessee team in last year's playoffs and earlier this season. All right, listen, I'm more than always willing to draw correlations from one sport to another and the same type of situation. And I'm telling you, I, I like the U.S. to win that hockey game yesterday against Canada. And the reason was Canada was in this ridiculously weak pool and hadn't played anybody before they got to play the U.S. who came out of the pool uh, with Russia and Czechoslovakia and all the tough teams the U.S. had faced. And sure enough, that turned out to be one of the determining factors. I just think, you know, Baltimore hasn't played anybody. And, you know, I'm willing to shoot holes at him for that. Chicago, New Orleans, Andy. New Orleans, uh, nine and a half or ten. Total in the game is 47. The formula's simple here. Bears defense has to win the turnover battle. And I think they're capable of doing it. Well, New Orleans is uh, really upset after, uh, you know, the way that they, their previous seasons uh ended with uh, with those uh, shocking losses so they're highly motivated as much as they've been in past years it's a, it's a very interesting chicago team they you know you talk about who did you play with the baltimore uh, uh, ravens down the stretch well you could say the same thing about the uh, chicago bears who had some very impressive wins mitchell trubisky actually looked as a quarterback who deserved to be drafted as high as he was by the bears and then they finally faced a good team last week in a must-win situation. Uh, turned out not to be a must-win situation because of the way other events occurred. And Chicago lost to Green Bay. Uh, Trubisky, slightly below average performance, certainly below average compared to what he played uh, before that. Uh, and Chicago managed to get in the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, The Saints uh, didn't have a realistic chance of getting the number one uh, seed last week. They needed uh, uh, situations with Green Bay and Seattle, especially Green Bay, and they figured Green Bay was going to win. Yet they went down to Carolina as a nice little tune-up, 33-7, to seven, got Drew Brees some action. He now looks uh, sharp. It seems that he's co- totally over those rib injuries that uh, caused him to miss four games in the uh, second half of of the uh, season. Uh, the key is the New Orleans defense, which has really been outstanding for most of the season. And if they're able to force Trubisky into mistakes, you pointed out that Chicago needs to avoid those mistakes, uh, that this could be a long afternoon for uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, uh, New Orleans has the capability to win Sean Payton. He's he's right at the top of my list. Uh, he's right up there with Bill Belichick as 
uh, yep. you know, the best coach of the game right now. I mean, if only for what he pulled in that Super Bowl game, trailing and doing that onside kick to start the second half against the Colts, that earned him a top spot, and he's uh, done many more innovative things uh, with, uh, uh, with the Saints. Uh, if there's going to be one lopsided game, it's a combination of the Saints' defense and uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, the one thing I would say, and it's a long time ago, um, this is a rematch, and it was a game that went to overtime. Uh, That's a long time ago, and Foles was the quarterback at that time. All right, we got a couple of minutes left, Andy. The get-out game, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's up to six with the COVID news. Total in the game's 47-47. The only thing we can call on for a coach missing a game was the Lions, where Bevel missed the game, and they got absolutely demolished. But these are the Browns, not the Lions. Uh, but, you know, listen, uh, the Browns, they've, they've got the opportunity to run the football, use Chubb, use Hunt, keep it simple, stupid, shorten the game, and be there with a the puncher's chance at the end. And we know how this goes, Andy, a lot of times. You know, the, all the pressure was on Cleveland last week. Now they're playing with house money. Now nobody thinks they can win. Uh, those are the dangerous teams. Well, they're also going up against a Pittsburgh team that is uh, aged, especially with Roethlisberger at quarterback. Uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, look at the uh, rushing game. I think they were number three in the in the NFL this year behind Baltimore and Tennessee, averaging 148 uh, uh, yards per game. Contrast that to Pittsburgh, which had the worst running game in the NFL, just 84 yards per game. And in their last 11 games, they exceeded 100 yards rushing just once, and that was only uh, 106. Now, that's a concern for Pittsburgh at the start, but also take a look at the Pittsburgh offense uh, with Roethlisberger for most of the season, they allowed, or I'm sorry, they averaged just an NFL worst 9.6 yards per pass completion. I'm not interested in yards per pass attempt because it's apples and oranges. It's when you complete a pass, how much do you gain? Well, Pittsburgh was the worst in in, in that category. So it, the, the one advantage, and it can't be understated and uh, too much, is the experience edge that the Steelers have as far as playoffs no and doubt. their domination and their domination of Cleveland. But this is a different Cleveland team. You know, Stefanski, the coach, won't miss the game, will miss the game most likely. Um, he's got he's going to get strong consideration along with your guy in Buffalo for coach of the year. Yep. Remember, it's just three, well, year, in, three years ago, in, Cleveland was 0-16, and now they're an 11-win team and in the playoffs. That's pretty no remarkable. As, as, as far as this game we, goes. we got to go, Andy. we got to go. I'd buddy. have to look at the points. Yeah, there you go. Uh, listen, great stuff. Andy Isco, gaming today, the logical approach. He'll join us Friday at Sunset Station with Chuck Esposito. As always, Andy, I appreciate your time. We'll be right back on Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, wrapping up our number one in Las Vegas, Brian Blessing, Sportsbook Radio. In the next hour, uh, Jeff Sherman's going to join us from the Superbook at the Westgate. Does a great job with golf odds. I can't wait to pick his brain here a little bit. I am fired up. It's one of my real favorite events of the year. It's the return of golf, the PGA Tour, and we start with the Century Tournament of Champions over at Kapalua. And it's one of these things where I think you're so starved for golf. It's... Augusta, we all know the holes. You know every blade of grass there and the shots they're going to face. 
the back nine of Kapalua, I, actually, I mean, I'm a nut. I watch this stuff. I know all the holes at Kapalua. It's cool because you're so excited to see golf again. You know the shots they face. And 18, it's like they're hitting it down an airport runway. It's like a 650-yard hole. But they drive it 390, 400. I mean, the ball just rolls down the mountain forever. It's a cool deal. But this year, it's really something special because it's usually just the guys that won tournaments the previous year. But because of COVID, many fewer tournaments, what they did was the tournament winners plus the top 30 that qualified for the Tour Championship in East Lake. So the field features the defending champ, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, the Masters champ, Xander Shoffley won it two years ago, lost in a playoff last year. John Rahm, DeChambeau, Reed, Matsuyama, Cantley, Simpson. I go on and on and on. It's a great field, and there is no cut, which makes it a really cool handicap and a real opportunity for you to get somebody that maybe stubbed their toe, shaking off the rust. The way we started this show, we'll, we'll end this segment. It's shaking off the rust, starting a new season. But all of a sudden, the guy shoots 71 on Thursday, all of a sudden you see signs of life on the back nine on Friday. This is a course you can go low on, and you can get, you know, you wait for a guy, pick a guy, Shoffley, maybe six shots back. He's 10 to 1 to start the tournament, but if he's six shots back, lo and behold, you know, you can get him at 20 to 1 on Friday, and that's the way to play this tournament. We're going to dive into that in great detail in the next hour. Uh, so we have Jeff Sherman coming up. That's going to be good fun. Vinny Maliulo. And Mark Lawrence as well. Our number one's in the cookie jar. Serious 204 coming tomorrow. Stick around. A short break. Lunchtime with the line makers continues. Brian Blessing Sportsbook Radio right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. 